0: You are listening to The Practice Growth Podcast with Sean Terrell. Welcome to The Practice Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Terrell, and really excited about this week's discussion with our guest, Dr. Aaron Jones. Aaron is an owner dentist, the owner dentist at Jones Family Dental in Norwalk, Iowa. He's a 2017 graduate from the University of Iowa College of Dentistry. Aaron, great to have you on the Practice Growth Podcast. Thank you for being here.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
0: So the place that I always like to start with every episode with every guest is just some context for the audience. Could you share a little bit of background on just kind of sort of how you got to this current point of your career?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so like you said, I graduated in 2017. You know, I, I, I when I was 11, I told my parents I wanted to own my own dental office. So I, uh, I knew from an early age, I kind of wanted to do this. Um, I grew up in Iowa City, so I was exposed to a lot of uh, dental students and med students and things. They, a lot of them went to my church. And uh, I remember I'd always ask them, like, why did you do med school? Are you glad you did med school? You know, are you glad you did dental school. And the med students would always tell me, I wish I would have done dental school. Interesting. <laughs> it was It was funny, like consistently every time. And so the dental students would always say, I'm glad I'm doing dentistry, but man, this dental school thing sucks. Like it's, it's hard, you know, but they always were glad they were doing it. And uh, it kind of got me at least initially interested. And, and as I looked into it, the thing I loved about dentistry was I, I started with what do I want to be doing when I'm not working? You know, how many hours a week do I want to be not working? one of the big things was I wanted to have time to be able to do other business things. I really liked business. I really liked talking with people. I liked science. I liked um, owning my own business. You know, I wanted to make enough money to support my family while still having time to do other things, you know? Mm -hmm. And so dentistry was kind of like the the only thing that really fell into all of those at the time for me. And uh, so, you know, I went to dental school and I I noticed quickly on in dental school, it was great. Dental school is awesome, but there was a lot of holes in the education. And I remember one day I was sitting in in a lecture and, uh, I remember seeing the slide and it, it looked like it was straight out of the seventies. Like, like it was an old looking PDF or, you know, just a PowerPoint slide. And, uh, you know, I I was talking to some dental dental, dentist friend of mine and he was probably 12, 13 years out. I said, you know, do you remember this lecture? And he started telling me, he's like, yeah, I do. It was like a weird, weird topic or something. Anyway he basically told me slide for slide. It was the exact same presentation from like 13 years ago, you know, who knows how long they've been teaching it. So, you know, they teach you really good dentistry. I went to a great dental school. I didn't realize how good it was until after I got out and I talked with other dental people and heard about their experiences. However, they, they teach you enough to, to get out and to survive and to do bread and butter dentistry. But it hasn't kept up with the the production needs of what we got to produce to pay our debt, which has skyrocketed from 20 years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I noticed quickly on, even in dental school, like if I got out of dental school and just did fillings all day, like it was going to be tough to, uh, to catch up with my debt as an associate. (laughs) Right. Right. And uh, so I, I discovered Dental Town. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but yep. they have a huge, vast resources of, of online CE courses, and as a dental student, they're free, which was pretty sweet. And so I just started taking CE courses like for fun, watching them online, and you know, my world and my eyes were opened up into this amazing ability of things that were possible that dental school wasn't talking about. Not that they weren't hiding it; they just you know didn't want to overwhelm and confuse and everything. I get that, but um, I just, I got this vision put in my head early on in dental school of what I wanted to do when I got out of dental school. And so that was the biggest thing.
0: So a couple follow-ups, uh, to yeah, that. Sure. So, uh, you said you, you knew you wanted to be a dentist at age 11. That's probably younger than most kids. W- yeah. What was, what was it that led to that as an 11 year old? So I
1: had, I had pretty, pretty crooked teeth growing up. Um, you know, I, I was one of those kids that had to have like uh, headgear and a palate separator and, you know, I had, Literally? yeah. I had, um, early on, you know, age 10, 11, you know, they started, they did phase one orthodontics. So your teeth are so crooked or there's something wrong where they basically put you in braces while you still have baby teeth and some permanent teeth. And so I was, and I grew up in Iowa city, so we were going to the college of dentistry and when you go to the college of dentistry for dental care, you're going four times more than you normally would because you're being, you're a Guinea pig, you know? And so I was just, you know, time after time exposed to this and, I was just a curious kid and I'd want to know what they were doing. So I would hold a mirror and watch and, you know, I'd chat with the, with the students and I don't know, I was just a weird kid, I guess. But I, uh, I'm sure my parents helped guide a lot of my thoughts, but I just remember thinking like, that's pretty cool what they're going to do. And, you know, I, I just decided like at one point I was like, I'm going to do that. You know? So as an 11 year old, you don't really think about what that means, but sure. You know, I, I just said, I want to be a dentist and I want to own my own business. That was kind of my, my initial seed of, of an idea. right?
0: That's a great backstory. And yeah. yeah, I think anyone that'll listen to this whole podcast will pick up that you're a curious guy. We've known each other for a sure. few years. And so I think, yeah, just you being a curious 11-year-old, it carried over and led mm-hmm. to your career. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing you said at the outset that I wanted to circle back to was you said there's some holes in the education system that you found in dental school. Yeah. And so now sure. that you've been out four years, I guess, what what are the big things that you've learned or what are your big takeaways that you've learned in the four years from finishing uh, dental school t- and into practice? And that maybe, pretty, maybe we yeah. should pare it down to <laughs> a couple. Yeah.
1: now that's a good question though. I, I would say, you know, relating back to what I felt like dental school. So dental school um, is lacking and I get why they're lacking the ability to do things using technology in such a way that makes the process more efficient. The reason they can't is because there's, you know, at Iowa, there's 80 dental students all seeing patients. I mean, that's a lot of money to be able to do it. And so they would kind of hint at it, but they really, it would have been nice to, you know, I got some exposure, I got some scan, but it would have been nice to be able to take digital impressions. It would have been nice to, you know, have them really dive into the psychology of a chair side appointment with a new patient. It would have been nice to have them, under, like, really teach us how to be a dentist that can produce the amount we need to produce in a healthy way that doesn't, you know, just find things to find things, but like, you know, teach us how to, this filling needs to be replaced and have the confidence to be able to say that, or, you know, you know, your thirds, your third molars, they really, they really need to come out. Like, you know, teaching us how to extract third molars. I really, I truly believe general dentists can do that. I do it on a regular basis. And, You know, it's not something that we need to be afraid of, you know, so there's all these procedures that were high dollar amounts, but they were getting just totally trained to be afraid of them. And, uh, you know, I learned early on, if you want to go do it, go learn how to do it, do it right. And, you know, your dentist patients, the number one thing patients want is a dentist they like. It's not that the dentist is surprisingly not the best skill set. It's that they like them.
0: Well, and and the patient probably can't evaluate that all that well, right? right? Right. It's like pain or no pain, probably. Exactly.
1: And and I would say to that end, the patients do not want to go to four different offices to treat all of their pain. They want the general dentist to do it if they can. They will always ask them, can you do that? You know, they don't want to go to here and there. There's a few that do, but, you know, over the years as I've learned how to do this or that, I love being able to say... Yeah, we'll do that here. You know, we we will treat everything you need and we'll get it done right. And you, you know, you build on it and you make sure you do it right and you build a reputation as somebody who is standing behind the product. But at the same time, you know, it's you're never going to do it unless you try and you got to try. You got to you got to get over that.
0: So devil's advocate on the whole with with dental school is... They're just trying to make you guys good enough understanding that with care and with time and with someone like you who i think probably people can pick up pretty quickly uh is a is a self-starter and would go figure a lot of that stuff off out right. on their own time the the ce's and all the stuff yeah. that you've done on the side and take it to another level if someone wants to take it to a level or they just I guess I'm kind of backing into another uh, devil's advocate thing. There's kind of the, the baseline is maybe just a little bit lower than you would have liked it to have been, I guess.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, the biggest thing is not everybody should or could or would want to do the procedures that I do. But I feel like we should have been a little bit more exposed to how it all works, how it's possible to do certain number of cases of wisdom teeth or you know, I feel like Iowa was really good actually teaching us how to do molar root canals, which is not a common thing in the dental world, you know, dental schools, you know, so uh, to Iowa's credit, they did teach us some pretty amazing things. Um, but it just, um, I mean, when we're learning how to do, and only dentists really understand this, cast posts and cores, when the research is clear, they r- they fracture teeth. Like, why are we still having that a requirement to graduate? Like, that makes no sense, right? Or why did we have a half day lecture for one semester on insurance. That's crazy. Like, you know, the skill sets at Iowa, we learned them. They're amazing. They're awesome. But why are we not learning about TMJ pain? And on a regular basis, I see patients that have tooth pain that is a muscle, uh, you know, comes from their muscles, like of their head and neck. Like there's this, this whole world of other things that they don't even talk about. (laughs) And it's just, you know, those all correlate to you're unique when you learn it and you can produce more because of this or that or whatever, you know, that answer your question.
0: I think so. So, hey, I'm just trying to make th- to think if we've closed the loop on kind of that. Does that encapsulate the big thing or one of the big things that you've learned in the last four years since since coming out of school and, and, and being in yeah, I would practice? Say,
1: yeah, I would say the other big thing I've learned is if I had owned a practice right out of dental school, I would have done OK. But the management side and the dealing with the staff side and the, you know, uh, balancing books and insurance and all, I mean, I would have been drowning. I would it's have a been so over my so over my head, you know, like, you know, I have codes and fees memorized in my head that I have learned because I've looked it up a hundred thousand times because I was an associate. And I wanted to know how much I was making. Like if I didn't go through that process, of like understanding the basics of insurance and all this other things, I mean, it would have been. It would have been rough. It would have been really hard right out of school. People do it and they they, they get it done, but the people I know that have done it had really good mentors, and that's the one thing I never had, and I I really wish I would have. I never had a mentor.
0: Is someone who was out practicing already while you were yeah. in dental? Yeah. Where Just, I guess where would it have been good in your career to have a, a mentor? At um, what like point?
1: Once I was a, an actual dentist. So a lot of a lot of new dentists that buy or start a practice. Like I know one in my in my office in my class. She was really good name was Melanie. She she started practice right from the get-go, but her dad's a dentist and her dad was very close. And, you know, she could ask, I'm sure she could ask him questions and had, uh, I just never had anybody like that where like, if I were to, like right now, if I own, oh, I get into a situation, I don't know what to do. I got to figure it out. You know, I go to, I go to Facebook groups. I don't have a, a person I can just call, you know, like I don't, I don't have any dentists that I can pick their brain. Right. I, I text my friends that are dentists, but that's not the same as somebody's been doing it for twenty years. You know,
0: we need a mentorship program. In some instances, is what I hear yeah. you saying. If you don't have the family connection, or yeah, you don't sure. walk into, because uh, it's probably hard. You're flying blind a little bit when you walk in as an if you go the associate route, too, right. right?
1: Yeah, and I would say most most associates they they tend to find a mentor with their first job or their second job, and you know, I, I had people, but it just it didn't. It, we we just never quite got on the same page as far as my goals and their goals. And, you know, I just didn't want to work in that way long term, you know, and I've just always been that kind of unique thinker and it gets me in trouble a lot, but sometimes it works out for the best, you know? So like in dental school, I was always the kid that raised my hand at the end of the day and wanted, had 5,000 questions. Everybody wanted to go home and they'd all hee and haw. (laughs) Come on,
0: Aaron, it's happy hour.
1: You know, like I'm sure my classmates, (laughs) if they listen to this, they're like, "Yep, that was him, you know? And, you know, they had a most likely contest at the end of seniors, like you know, most likely to do this or most likely to do that. And mine were really good and really bad, and I was several categories, and it was like, yeah, oh, that was about right. So it was just funny.
0: So we, I, I try to have kind of an angle of attack or a specific uh, area that I that I address with all these podcasts, but I'm excited and and also uh, a little bit. Interested to see which way we go from here, just because I think sure. with your story and your practice, there's so many different layers and, and interesting right. elements to it. So I guess the place that I'd like to go next, if you're okay, you sort of followed an alternate path to practice ownership relative to uh, the path that most people take. Could you share right. a little bit about that, and maybe we can dive into that?
1: Yeah, for afterwards. sure. For sure. So you know, I, I graduated dental school, and I found a job in in uh, Windsor Heights in Des Moines, and you know, the dentist there, he was he'd been practicing for a long time. Me and him clicked like very similar personalities, just, you know, 60 or not 60, let's say 40 years apart or something, you know, but we had very similar personalities, but, um, it's, you know, he wasn't ready to retire or necessarily give up his patients and it, it just didn't work out. It's, it's nobody's fault. It just wasn't quite the right scenario. My, the plan was to buy it, but you know, it just, I, I didn't have enough production going on and he, he wasn't quite ready to be done. He's, In fact, he's still practicing. So, you know, that was four years ago and he's still going. And I think he's over 70. Great guy. I think he's a great dentist, but it just didn't work out. And so after that, I left six months and I went to another office and um, I worked in two locations, one in Osceola, which is about 40, 40 minutes south of here where I live in Norwalk. Um it was just, just a drive, you know, small town. I got a taste of small town dentistry and it just wasn't, I wasn't a fan. Like it, uh, I pull a front tooth and the patients are like, I'm good doc. See you later. Like, I don't like this. Or I'd sit for eight hours and see three patients, you know, it just mm-hmm. wasn't, wasn't my thing. And then I go to their office in West Des Moines and it was great, but the production was average between the two offices. So I never could get ahead of the curve and make more money than, than what I was, you know, guaranteed draw or whatever. And it was a big office and I just, um, I want to do certain things that it wasn't ever going to happen as a, an associate, you know.
0: So you want to make your own decisions and what do you got to do?
1: <laughs> yeah. And I had a lot of opinions and sometimes <laughs> those clash and, you know, it's, I'm, I'm uh, ever trying to be humble because I, I know that I'm cocky and prideful and I shouldn't be, but I just... I just, I'm right. Right. I mean, everybody thinks that I think dentists are like that, but I just, I just uh, wanted to do certain things a certain way. So I uh, found another job and in my interview, I said, Hey, I'm going to start an office in a year. I'm going to start a practice in a year. Are you guys okay with that? <laughs> I was up front from the interview process and they were, and because of that job in Lakeside, I was able to do the second half of that, which was start an office. So I reached out to Joe Butler at Downing Construction, and I said, "You know, I really want to start an office. I'm a new dentist, but I got big plans. I have no money. (laughs) What should I do? I want, I want you. You know, I'd love for you guys to build or renovate or something." And he said, "You know, let's let's meet, let's chat." And uh, we met up several times, and he kind of presented an idea to me that I was like, "All right, let's." Seems too good to be true, I, I wasn't quite sure. I thought there was a catch somewhere, but basically he said, you know, we'll we'll build the building on our dime, we'll design it how you want, it's yours, do whatever you want with it, you know, we'll pay for it, and then you'll pay us X amount for the rent, and then um, you can buy it from us whenever you want. Okay, that's pretty sweet, right? So um, I didn't have to get a co-signer, I didn't have to do it, because they, they I had no loan other than just the practice equipment, right? So.
0: Mm-hmm. That was, that was, all, that was a pr- all done on a personal guarantee, though, with Downing. Yeah. Okay.
1: Right, because for them, you know, if I fail, they still have an office that's functioning
0: and a nice office at that.
1: Thank you, appreciate that. Yeah, they 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 know how to build it right. um But uh, you know, they they weren't going to commit to me until they believed in me. And so that's where you know me and Joe became we developed a relationship where he he essentially trusted me. I, I'd shown my numbers of what I was capable of producing at least, and things like that. You know, he went out to Portland uh, to visit EDAC, the company that makes equipment. And, you know, it was, it was good. It was a good process. And so once the building got going and all that, you know, we we got going and opened up and hit the ground running. And it was, you know, haven't looked back since. It's been pretty amazing. You know, with very little advertising, we're getting more than enough patients to stay afloat, so to speak
0: so we don 't have to get too specific, but just in my experience, lenders are more than willing to lend money to startups. not every lender, but a lot are um, mm-hmm. with with very little money down and with very little uh, capital and personal uh, bank accounts and with high student loan debt. yeah uh, what was so attractive about downing and sort of that offer to to build it for you and rent it from them and then eventually buy it from them as opposed to uh, I guess, entering into an agreement with a bank. Um,
1: the, the scale at which I could do things was exponentially increased because of their ability to front front what I wanted to do on their dime, right? Because, you know, the, the amount of um, detail and the complexity of equipment and the niceness of equipment that I wanted to buy with the building and the land was well over what a bank wanted mm. to talk to me about. And I got to give props to the bank that I live. In. So I went with a local bank it's city state bank in Norwalk. Um, a lot of banks actually just turned me down for the equipment loan, which is looking back kind of nuts and they missed out.
0: <laughs> they were concerned <laughs> I, about you being able to cash flow. Uh, oh how yeah. Much-
1: just, just being as new dentist as I was and having, you know, I had like $300,000 in student debt and you know, I had three kids in dental school. We didn't even talk about that. Like, you know, I did things a little differently. Right. <laughs> and, uh, You know, there's just, there was so many little factors that looking back, there was no way this was going to be possible if I had to do it all on my dime. And so that was for me, I was able to do it right from the beginning and not have to like renovate an old office and like, you know, work with stuff that's kind of, everything's brand new. And, uh, you know, I always jokingly say I'm a fancy girl. I like, I like my stuff nice. And so, (laughs) you know, I wouldn't just buy like the baseline. I really wanted it to feel nice. And I wanted patients to be able to sense that because I wanted to build a brand that was considered to be a high-end, well-reputed dental office that did a lot of stuff. And I, I wasn't going to be able to do, you know, I, I wasn't going to be able to do Botox next to third molar extractions without having nitrous run through the floor and having an office that felt like a, a salon. Like I just had to have both of those things. And, you know, that costs money sometimes, but... It definitely worked. It's paid off for sure.
0: So, Paul Harvey, uh, the rest of the story that was in 2019 timeline-wise, that you opened up at uh, Jones Family Dentistry in yep. in Norwalk, and yep. then take us through kind of how where you are today.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we opened May, and uh, that first month with almost no advertising, we had 130 new patients a month, and I was blown away. I mean, I just and we had that consistently for like nine months. It was kind of nuts. Um. I think, you know, one thing that made this possible, right? Like I had nice stuff, but I also was able to save huge amounts of money on the back end because I get obsessed about certain things and I was able to make my own website. I was able to, you know, um, I learned how to use Google ads. I learned how to, I learned how to do my own Facebook marketing. I learned how to do all these things and I learned how to cut supplies with costs by going with different various ways of doing things. And so, you know, I could cut costs where I could, which allowed me to do other things. And so anyway, long long story short, um, I took a lot of CE credits before I even owned. So Mm -hmm. I had a skill set when I opened right away where I already did a lot of root canals. I already did a lot of third molar cases. I already did, you know, the only thing I really didn't do was um, like orthodontics. And so I had all these high dollar high producing procedures that I could then offer to patients. And so it was able I was quickly able to instead of having to refer out, you know, sometimes you're referring out like 5 6000 bucks to specialists that staying in house, right? And so with the new patients and with the the large breadth of what I do, the reputation and I and I feel like I did it really well. It, the reputation around town quickly grew. And for me, my first goal when I opened was I need to get 100 Google reviews. Because when you get 100 Google reviews, you're in a new category. Mm. Google suddenly says you're a big deal, right? And so every day, I had an experience. I had a procedure done, and I had the doctor personally ask me if I would leave him a Google review. He then called me the next day to see how I was doing. And with me on the phone, he then followed up and said, hey, did you have a chance to leave a Google review? I now feel guilty because I didn't leave a Google review for the doctor, right? If the front office is a call, yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. For some reason, when the doctor asks, I'm on the hook, right? Mm -hmm. So I learned, I I paid attention to that. And I feel like that really helped because I would have a procedure go really well. And I'd say, hey, would, would you, will you, will you leave me a Google review? That would really help us grow. And it would help somebody find us who needs to find us. And you know, and then I would then send them a message on my cell phone with my cell phone number. I mean, it was kind of crazy. Right. And I'd say, hey, click this link. And I followed up and they just started rolling in. And I was able to get 100 Google reviews in six months. Oh, wow. And they were all five stars. Right. And we had maybe one or two negatives, but for the most part, they're five stars. Right. And so I'm looking every day at my competitors and they've been around for years and years and years. And they, have, they don't even have 100 yet. So I said, if I can get 100 Google reviews for a new patient who just moved to Norwalk, which is growing faster than any in the metro, they're not going to know that I've only been around for whatever. And it's going to look like I'm the the big shot in town, right? (laughs) It's all about presenting yourself in that way. And so I really think because of that, it skyrocketed me into being able to get those new patients because what do you do when you need a mechanic, right? Like your car breaks, you go to Google, type yep. a mechanic near me. And what do we do? We click on the one, if one has one star and five, or let's say six stars and five stars, or you have one that has 200 and a 4.9, which one are you going to click on?
0: Yeah, you're going to take the the one with the good reviews.
1: Yeah, the, well, the one with the more and good reviews, right? Like right. if you have one that's like five stars with only three or four, I don't trust them. But if they got three, yeah. 400 reviews, they're legit. They've been around, you know, you can't fake that.
0: Yeah, you've, you've you've given the appearance that it's not just your your exactly. wife and your kids that are logging right. in and giving you exactly. five stars, right?
1: And so, like, I'm not sitting here making fake reviews, but I'm getting every patient to leave me a review, at least as many as I can. And so, all of a sudden, we're getting all these new patients, and I'm not even really advertising. It's just because they Google dentist for me or to broken tooth or whatever. And that comes into learning how to run a website with metadata and everything else. And so you got to put in all these tag words. But once you figured all that out, man, it's it's not that hard to get Because my and skill sets are so broad. Google, it's like a giant net and you just grab them all. And it, it really, really pays off for
0: sure. And so that early momentum with your practice, mm-hmm. that early uh, revenue and profitability, that led you to your deal that you had made with Downing, you wrap oh, that sure. up pretty quick and, and sure. into it, correct?
1: Yep. And then the biggest thing too, I learned from my first boss is when you hire somebody, make sure you hire, you have your staff interview them as much as you do mm. and make sure that they like that staff member and you create a culture, hopefully a culture of people that like each other. But I, I've said, from you know, I want to be a dentist who has a reputation of running his staff really hard, but who pays them really well. And I think, you know, I think I pay pretty good for the average dentist in the area, but I've gotten, I've got some pretty amazing staff who, I mean, they, they, they run hard. I mean, they work just the same hours I do most of the time, at least the nights and weekends, you know? And so, you know, having that good staff around you is, is key because you can be the best dentist in the world, but if you don't have support, it's going to fall apart.
0: I think we've got enough stuff here that we could maybe do another podcast and hit on a few other things that we could talk about. Because as you mentioned, you have some opinions, you have some perspective, and I'm always interested in hearing that. What we kind of want to wrap up is, I think the the tone of this, the theme of this, has been, you know, you're not someone that's going to always follow the path that's most traveled. You're always kind of questioning. Right. Why, you know, this is the way it's always been done, and you're like, "Well, why?" And is there a better way? And to that end, kind of where, what I want to hit on to, to kind of start to wrap this up is, uh, you have a membership plan option for patients, yeah, for sure. which is a little bit off the beaten path, and then sure. the hours that you set for your practice uh, are not just the nine to five that that I tend to see in my right. limited experience with with right. most dental practices. So, uh, which one you want to start with first? I guess I'll leave it up to you.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. We knew the membership plan. Um, So, you know, the membership plan, I think, is is gaining momentum. It's been a thing for a while on the East and West Coast, that, as it usually goes, right? That's usually where the popular trends and procedures start. Um, But I just, you know, there's Davidson Family Dentistry. They have a great membership plan. I I used a lot of their, their base work. They're a huge office in, in Des Moines, great dentists. Um, but there's it just became more and more kind of like a thing where I was like, hey, this seems like a good idea. I started looking into it, and uh, I basically went around and found the ones that seemed pretty good. And then I upped my my benefits just a little bit better. And I found another dentist in the East Coast in New York, I think, who also gives like um, a cash credit for re-upping. And so, you know, it motivates people one to renew their membership. But if you do the math, it's it's usually cheaper than than insurance is, and it saves people a lot of money on the on the Patients that need very little work and patients who need a lot of work. Patients who need like one or two crowns or you know, five or six fillings. Uh, if you have access to dental insurance right now, if you're in network, it's still a better deal for that patient. But um, there, there's a trend coming where insurance is either going to go away or they're going to up their prices or whatever. I know there's there's several dentists in, in the metro. Chad Johnson, he dropped them all. Kudos to him. Um, I'm I'm not quite that brave yet, but, you know, I think it's working. I think it's working well for him. So
0: Um, he's been on the Practice Growth podcast, too. So maybe there's a theme here.
1: Yeah, he's a he's (laughs) he's a he's a go getter, man. I I look up to him a lot, too. But um, anyway, so, you know, the membership plan has been great, especially for those patients that don't have access to care. Um, Retirees, people that just retired. Now they don't have dental insurance. It's it's a way to give them a dental home. And it creates brand loyalty and practice loyalty because now they when they have a problem, they've paid this membership to me and so they're gonna come to me and you know, I give them benefits that don't cost me anything, like I promise I'll get them in the same day. Um, you know, I give them a credit when they re up and things like that. So it's been a, a nice revenue stream that honestly is great because you don't have to submit claims, it's just cash in hand and good to go. So uh, what it, was the second half? Oh, sorry, go
0: ahead. Yeah, I was just kind of thinking about some ways that you've captured some some patient share, some market share that are off the beaten path a little bit. So the membership plan okay, was right. one and then the alternate uh, alternate hours.
1: Yeah, for sure. Different so, than
0: just the nine to five uh, Monday through Friday.
1: Yeah, so part of that came uh, from accident. I was telling you earlier, you know, I, I work two jobs for two, I'm still working two jobs, but my plan was two jobs for two years. Pretend I go back to school is kind of what I told myself. So I'm going to be a resident for myself, basically. I work about 60 to 70 hours a week right now. And so what happened was if I'm at my other job from, you know, the seven or eight to five, I wanted the patients in my office to know that if they had a problem the previous day, they wouldn't have to wait two or three days to see me. I wanted them to know that they could be seen every day and get it done and get it done right. So that's, that's where the hours originally came from. I didn't really think about all the other benefits that I learned. But what I did learn was, you know, when you're open from 6 to 9 p.m., there's a huge demographic of patients who have been wanting to go to the dentist, who are ready to get their teeth fixed, but their work will, will not allow them to take off or they just always use that as an excuse. Whatever it is, there's, there was this huge floodgates open to patients that were ready and ready to go and they would call and, they, and it, they're just crazy hours that uh, people have booked out for months. Like they're the most booked hours I have.
0: And just to interrupt you do two yep. nights a week and then Saturday mornings is that um, where it's currently at I don't have your well, website yeah, in front so of me I'm going off I, memory yeah
1: Fridays <laughs> I work till nine Thursdays I work till seven uh Fridays I work till seven and then Saturdays I work till noon so yeah it's it's a good spread for sure um, so Thursday we're twelve to seven so there's still that those evening hours It used to be at nine o'clock but I cut that back a little bit but anyway it's it's you know having Saturdays and those evenings um, there's this group of patients the other dental offices can't ever get, you know? And so that also became a really easy niche for me to follow as long as 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 you're willing to go for it and work. You got to just got to work, man. Like I'm down to work. Let's do it. And so, you know, eventually when I, I'm still young and dumb enough, I, let's do it. I'm sure I'm going to run out of steam pretty soon, but, um, I think it was enough to, get a foothold for the office to survive long term for sure
0: which is a is a fairly common path to people right. when they're doing a startup practice right. to to have to have a second uh, way to practice and kind of cash flow life yep. or the in, or the initial practice but right. uh, you've uh, you've gone to another level with it uh, from yeah. I mean there was
1: there was on a regular basis we'd have an emergency call at 8 thirty pm and my staff were like let's do it and I'm not kidding we would get out at eleven thirty at night doing a root canal and a crown and extraction or something crazy like that right i mean it was nuts and then i have to be back at work by 7 a.m the next day like it was a great i mean i don't do that anymore but there were some days i'm not i probably worked 90 hours in a week it was crazy
0: and to your point though you just you know think like a dental student again and try to do that for a couple right. more years yep. so you're a little bit it's a little bit easier to do that when you're just a few years out of school as right. opposed to when you get into to my ripe yep. old age in your 40s and 50s yep. right
1: And then none of this would be possible without my wife. My wife is the rock upon which I am built because she, you know, keeps me sane. She helps keep my kids from failing at life. I mean, she's everything. And, you know, there's no way I could do any of this unless she was on board. And I honestly, even if I was single, I don't think I could do this mentally. Like she's every every day she's keeping me going. And it's pretty amazing having somebody like her.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, hey, for people that are interested in getting in touch with you or, or seeing a little bit about what your practice is about, what's the best way to get in touch and to maybe yeah, plug sure. your website as well that you yeah, uh, built so, yourself?
1: Yeah. So our uh, our website's Norwalk dot com. Our office phone number is five one five eight five zero two two five five. You can find us on Facebook. Um, you know, Google. look me up. Google. Yeah, you know, we're everywhere. I uh, I hadn't didn't even mentioned it, but I my first started my office. I bought like. 19, um, IP addresses for future things. When somebody wants it, I'm going to sell it back to them. So you can pretty much find me anywhere. I'll, I'll, I'll come up. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Hey, maybe we can have you back. Cause I think there's a few other sure. areas we could go. So, but, uh, but for yeah. right now, I guess we'll, we'll keep it, uh, the 30, 35 minute range. That's, uh, that's Dr. Aaron Jones. Thank you for, for being here. Really enjoyed, uh, your perspective and your outlook on things. I appreciate you being a guest on the practice growth podcast. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I love being here. love talking about dentistry.
0: Sean Terrell is a registered representative, certified exit planner, and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. Securities products and advisory services offer through PAS member FINRA SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. PAS is a direct, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Carol Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian or Carol Financial and opinions stated are their own. Guardian its subsidiaries, agents and employees do not provide tax, legal or accounting advice consult your tax legal or accounting professional regarding your individual situation compliance tracking number 2021-117595 expiration date march 2023